Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And this is Ellie. Whoa. Whoa. Did you all hear that? Whoa, indeed. We have Ellie. <laughs> Ellie. What um, happened to her? Yeah, what happened to you? <laughs> Do you want to give people a recap of your life for the past, like, almost year? <laughs> Nine months? Uh, well, it's been almost ten months since my surgery. Uh, during that time, I covered. I basically moved out of my current out of my old place and I'm back with my mom because of the COVID thing. Had to go home to help take care of her and my brother because my mom needs help taking care of him too since he's going to be staying at my mom's place full time. She needs help with him. So there I am. And I'm also working remotely like most people who are privileged enough to work in tech and have an employer who's reasonable enough to let you work remotely. But, uh, and beyond that, it's basically watching the slow collapse of Western civilization with the rest of y'all. Hey. I mean, let's... And all the other civilizations, TVH. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, China seems to, at least according to the external propaganda, seems to have gotten their shit together. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know for, like, all the people in there if it's going well. Yeah. 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 Also, these headphones are shitty. Yeah. We just so want everyone to listening to this, we just want you to know that we have bad headphones. Yeah. It's um, important that you know They're that. the ones that have the little rubbery external Yeah, thing. it makes your ear feel, like, extra full. But this one keeps falling out of my ear. Oh. Um, I think my ear hole is oh. too big or small. I'm not sure which. It's just uh, the wrong size yeah. or shape. <laughs> <laughs> I and hope that was interesting was... for everyone to know. <laughs> and this is why I was so obsessed with getting good equipment at the start of this whole endeavor. I know, but we are in the middle of yeah. moving and packing. And so, you know, life. Everything's yeah. Wait, lost. so quick life update on <laughs> our end. Um, we're back in D.C. Oh, do you want to do that? Do you want to tell no, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're back in D.C. for a few more days. Um, slash, Alia's going to be back and forth a bit. Um, and... Both of us are moving to New York. Or moving back to New York. Oh my god. Alia is moving to New York. Yeah. Yeah. Because fuck it. I want to. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like I don't know, like if if the world is gonna end anyway, you might as well end it in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like why would you want to end the world in DC? Right. Right. I fully agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly like <laughs> Yeah, get get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Because people have been asking why am I moving, and my only answer is that I want to, and it's nice to say that, even though there's a lot of uncertainty. So, I um, mean, what can possibly go wrong? A lot. A lot. A lot of things could go <laughs> wrong of, here. So, yeah. like again, you just might like, as well. A lot go of to things are already yeah. going wrong yeah. here. <laughs> Um, so such as the rent increase yeah so I guess we can talk about that there is like a rent increase in this building and that is just one example of many because even though there are these regulations in DC and so many other places in the US um, that prevent landlords from raising rent they're still doing it because that's how power structures work and a lot of times if a tenant wants to advocate for their rights they still need a lawyer and that's not free and like even now um there's this so there's this 
group. I think it's like DC Tenants Advocacy Group or something like that. And I called them because I have heard that a lot of people in this building are having various issues, um, like raised rent without notices, things like that. And I called just to ask, like, what are the steps that we can take? And the first thing they told us was, oh, we offer um, attorney consultations, but then they quoted an amount that just won't work for a lot of us. And so even like within an advocacy group, you need the funds, you need, it has to be like financially worth it to you to do it. And um, even then you think, you know, that, I mean, there's definitely an imbalance of like, I'm sure there's a pretty hefty legal team behind this apartment management. And like, uh, yeah. It's just bad. Hey, let's <laughs> hey, let's bring my uh, lawyer lawyer background back into the forefront here. Sure. So in the United States, um, housing laws vary by state by state and city by city, meaning not everyone's under the same circumstances. However, um, the CDC has recently issued an eviction ban. However, that ban is questionably enforceable, and getting to the court system in itself is a challenge because. While yes, there are um, some advocacy groups out there that will offer services to like low-income folks, um, their resources are still limited and are being taxed now because it's you know un these unprecedented times, and that's assuming you don't have a binding arbitration agreement within your uh, rental contract, which means you have to go through a system before you can even go to court in some cases, which. If you're going to that, you may need an attorney because you're going to be talking to somebody else's attorneys for sure. Mm -hmm. And arbitration is meant to be like this less expensive, less technical thing, but it's been sort of abused to the point where it's basically a court outside of the court in a lot of, and not a lot of cases, in some cases. But um, you say, well, why don't we just t um, hire an attorney? Well, attorneys run all sorts of prices. Like, attorneys start charging anywhere from like, $25 for the first half hour consultation to anywhere to like sky's the limit and how much they may they, some attorneys charge flat fees but it's usually you're going to be looking at spending around $500 just to dispute this like yeah and again that miles but here's the other part of that because of the uncertainty of how much this is ultimately going to cost and the fact that it is going to sour your arrangement with your apartment management um for low-income folks it's just not worth it yeah yeah they they definitely know that the tenant is going to suffer a lot more if they like push hard and um i mean you a lot of times depend on your current landlord to be able to get future housing because if you burn that bridge and they won't like give you a recommendation that really limits your options and they know that they also know that it's a lot um cheaper for someone to just pull the plug and move out um and find somewhere else than like hiring a lawyer and pushing and like probably not having much to stand on as an individual versus a corporation in this case this is not a private landlord like this is a um like a a corporation that owns several buildings so they know that and they're yeah. definitely still using that during a pandemic 
So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it does get to the court and the laws in your in your state or city are favorable towards you, you could win. But it's like there's this huge uncertainty um, plus money barrier that prevents that prevents a lot of people from even seeing the courts as an option. Like, if I were evicted from if we were evicted from like our old apartment place like how it wouldn't be very reasonable for us to contest it just because the cost of like moving and finding a new place versus um trying to stay and fight for the apartment is like it's not worth it it's like yeah we're gonna sit down with our apartment complex and fight for the right to pay them yeah yeah exactly um Fittingly, we watched Rent last night. This was the first note. time that Alia watched this movie. Yeah, which is kind of late. Yeah. Um, Ellie, have you seen Rent? Am I the only person? Uh, yeah. Here? Actually, I saw it. Um, like in New York on end stage. Of course, I've seen the movie. Hey. I cool. used to get a, hey, yeah. Uh, I used to be a bit of a rent head back in like the late twenty, like the aughts, basically. Like 2008, 2009. Oh, okay. So, what's your take on? Um, apparently, there's people who say the movie hasn't, or like whatever the show hasn't aged well. Which I'm like, yeah, how I, it's, it's. I'm like, really? I mean, sure, there's like fair critiques, but as far as things that age well, I think that's probably like one of the most relevant Relevant, musicals right now. It aged way better than Hamilton. Uh, I have feelings on this. Um, Okay, go for it. So, I, like, as I've gotten older, the less I like Rent. Okay. Basically, um... Interesting. Basically, the main, main male couple, who I cannot recall the name right now, uh, like, like, Angel is awesome, obviously. However, Angel is basically killed to pay a dog, or paid to kill this annoying lady's dog. And, you know, that's shitty but you gotta do what you gotta do but um her lover you know when she dies at the end how does she memorial how does he memorialize her um rigs an atm to give out money to the people who know the code but who's going to know that you know and um the videographers not the videographer slash writer guy um who wants to be a journalist just like he has parents who love him and are trying to help him out, but he's basically like, no, I'm not going to pay rent. I'm not going to move in, but I'm also going okay, to he's be... the worst character. He's yeah. definitely he the, worst the worst character. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I, I... Again, like, I think, like, the really fair critique is, like, that it's, like, all through his... At, at least the movie. It's, like, kind of through his perspective in ways that it doesn't need to be. But also, no one really picked up on that. Like, no one likes him. No one related to that character. Like, no one latched onto him at all. Yeah, um, but it just, a lot of them, um, just some, like, whiny entitled brats who have, who in some cases have jobs and stability in their lives, but they stick it to their friend who's, like, I'm not sympathetic towards, uh, I think his name was Benny, the landlord. Yeah, yeah. Why are you being shitty on the person who's giving you a free place to live in fucking New York? You know, I understand it's shitty that he's charging them now, but I, I mean, yeah, I thought Benny, I, 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 I thought Benny sucked, but I Benny think there's sucked, there's but... some weird like class discrepancies in that movie that just don't make sense and aren't addressed. Like what? Yeah. Like Joanne, she doesn't seem to have any financial issues. Why doesn't she like 
give other people <laughs> assistance, yeah. you know? Or, like, um, and also, I don't know. I think on the gentrification front, there's, like with Mark, there's no real distinction um, between, like, people who have just chosen to live, like, artsy bohemian lifestyles and people who have previously been living there in poverty. Um, yeah, I mean, they yeah. sort of acknowledge it with the whole, hey, artist, you know, when Mark is trying to film the homeless lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, artist, you got a dollar? But and then like, it's, I didn't think so. it's, like, brushed over, right? Like, I think, like, the whole thing is set yeah. up as this dichotomy between, like, whatever, free spirits and the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which, like... Uh, I kind of hate it, but I also kind of get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like... But the... Oh, my God. Is this going to turn into the Rent episode? Yes. Yeah, it already yeah. is. Yeah. Let's go with it. I've been ambushed into the Rent episode, folks. This is <laughs> this is my grand return. Yes. No, but I, what Welcome I don't back. get is the, like, age... Right, like, I think, like, all this stuff is valid, but I, I, none of it is, like... I mean, maybe, like, we've gotten better at talking about, like, housing issues and gentrification. But I think overall, like, none of this is, like, ways it hasn't aged well. Yeah. Right? Like, it's still... It's a, it's just a strange critique that... Given, like, how many other musicals there. that are considered, like, classical musical theater... Yeah. Are, are, ...are definitely period pieces, right? But people are just like, no, these are timeless. Right. But this one, for some reason, has gotten shit on so many times by critics well, who are like, it didn't age well. Like, not, it's not like relevant anymore. It em- it embodies the '90s, but that's it. Which is like, yeah, it does. But also, that's the setting. That's, that's the setting the of the setting. show. <laughs> There's a thing called a setting, and they chose one. And then now there are still things that are like relevant to our society. Like, but. Yeah, but it's also, like, a weird... It's, like, it feels like the 90s, but it also is, like... it. I know it's supposed to be, like, AIDS crisis New York as well, you know? Yeah, and it is. And then there are a lot of, like, repercussions of what's gone on. Or, okay, there are a lot of similar, like, effects that are happening to people during this pandemic, for example. Like... The housing, the, like the housing issues that we keep talking about, or the uncertainty of access to care, or that, yeah, exactly, and the government like ignoring all of that. Yeah, and it's like in the first wave of vaccines, which have gone through clinical trials and whatnot. Um, supposedly, they're going to be given to healthcare workers first round, but does that mean that the healthcare workers? are basically guinea pigs for this thing since it was somewhat rushed through approvals? Question mark? Yeah, maybe. That's a little concerning. And, um. But ultimately, my the longer-term concern is, so basically the structure is going to break down to is first responders will get, of course, the vaccine because they have the most contact with the public, then um, high-risk folks, but then it starts to filter into the insurance system it's like, well, if you have insurance that'll cover it, you can get it. And then there's the question of what is the actual cost to the public? And eventually it's going to be like insured, uninsured with enough money to like get it at your local clinic. Um, and then you start getting to the like people who work at grocery stores or are basically making like 
living wage or below who have frequent contacts with the public, store clerks, um, you know, grocery workers, you know, all people who are basically stocking and working at a, at a Walmart or a large store like that. And eventually it's going to filter down to the people who have the least money, which is the undocumented community and, you know, minority communities where it's just like, what is their access? You know, because they also already have like the least access to healthcare, but they also have like more barriers to getting any sort of healthcare as well. Aside from just the money, it's like, do you have a clinic that's local? Do you have a clinic that has the resources to get enough of the vaccine for you to get on it reasonably? Are you able to get the financial aid from whatever financial aid is local in your locality? It's like, it's going to be this, you know, cleared racist classes system again. And I feel like that's very much an echo of the HIV um, AIDS area, just because it's like, you know, rich, white, straight passing gays could, of course, get easier access and get less judgment while getting it, while everyone else just sort of got it as it came and as it was, was available. And that's why we got stuff like the Ryan White Act, which provided treatment for, like, at least with the um, long-term effects of AIDS, like, you know, housing assistance so people with HIV wouldn't be homeless and be doing stuff like uh, survival sex and able to afford their medication consistently. And that's, I don't see anything going to happen like, like that to happen for this, just because for the people who do get it, for most people anyway, unlike AIDS where like, if you don't die, you're going to have to live with it long term. Here, you're going to have the majority of people that will be okay then you've got the people who have, who are of course vulnerable at risk and who may be like at risk to recatch it if their immune system doesn't handle it properly. If that's a thing, and it's it might not be a thing. But then there's also people who have like long-term complications from it, like damage to their organs, the heart, lungs, liver, and all that stuff. People who have just long-term symptoms or damage from it. And while these are not the majority, and I'm not trying to fearmonger on that point, it's like you have to remember that these people are going to exist and it is going to be difficult for them to get care because they're not a large part of the population and unless they have some pretty good advocates, they may not ever get that care or assistance on the low end. But hey, class struggle. We're all in this together, right? Well, that's the thing. I think this, like, um, pa pandemics really demonstrate that, like, individualism and elitism don't work, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it just, it doesn't, that's not how, he, like, it, it, at this point, especially right now when there's no vaccine, like, we are all literally dependent on each other um, to protect each other, yeah. right? Like, one person protecting themselves can only go it so far yeah do anything yeah ah but here comes classism yet again the the upper class and the super rich can rely on individualism to uh, make it work for themselves like of course the tech bros who i know you have a, a special love for alia tech um, bros <laughs> yeah like the people who make their money let's let's take a crypto trader who basically stays stays at home re-ups their Amazon account, has everything they need shipped to them, and does their entirety of their work and social life online. You know? What need do they have of, like, anything else? Because 
they've basically offloaded all the risk to the Amazon workers who work in the warehouse and deliver the stuff. The um, food delivery folks who, again, their entire supply and logistics chains are not are supplied by humans. Um, this basically allows them to pay their risk, pay other people to take the um, virus risks for them. And this is sort of a pattern of the super rich. You know, people who have like multiple passports who can just go like go to Switzerland where the numbers are better and have their kids go to school there where they're where you know they can send them to like a high-end school and just sort of weather out the thing until it gets better in America and that's just sort of how it is because this is why this whole rugged individualist bullshit never goes away is because in crises like this you know, if you have enough money, you have options. You can ice. You can basically set up your house with this little isolated pod, while the working class basically deliver everything to your doorstep that you need, free of risk. Yeah, I will say though, like um, maybe tech bros aren't at this category, but there are like other um, sectors of the really rich population that, while they might not need to go out, they really want to. You know. Yeah, like, there is still psychological and, like, psychological effects of this isolation. And by really want to, I mean they're doing it, whether it's good for anyone or not. Yeah. But again, they can only do that because they offload the viral risk to others. Their food is still delivered to them by delivery workers. They're, you know, they're... uh, their food is delivered. Amazon still gives them all their electronics and fun goods. I'm guilty of this myself, to be honest. But you know. Yeah, if you, um, I, I need to. I, I'm really bad at not using Amazon. Amazon is terrible, and I've been using it. Um, I yeah. Me too. Because there's just certain things. I've been trying things. not to use it. I've been trying to like, as well, but then there's certain things where like I just I can't figure out how to get the same thing without massive shipping costs oh. and a cave. Um. Wait, what was I saying? Anyway, I think okay. Like, it's, yes, you're right. It's you're not right. Just you're, tech bros. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, of course, you're right in terms of like privilege and what people can do. I think there's people who aren't necessarily even acting in their best. They're acting towards their wants and not towards their needs. Like there are people who are like, for instance, like older and high risk, and they're still not prioritizing um, social distancing or putting on masks. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I, like I think I think people but, but don't he, even act in their best interests all the time. But then, then again, it's like if you're upper class, you're rich and white, you have act, you have guaranteed access to healthcare. You are going to get a doctor who, who is able to keep up the latest. You are be, you are more than likely able to get access to a respirator, respirator, or the steroids needed to you know get through the infection without dying and hopefully more long term damage if you're already old and immunocompromised. I mean, because, of course, like, there's right. inequities on, like, literally every level, but I think on some level, there's people who are, like, not acting in their best interests and will die yeah. despite their privileges. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you hear about these, like, these cases where someone, you know, someone, like, white, relatively privileged um, decides that this whole thing is a hoax because, like, they haven't... We're yet- talking about Karen. Yeah, well, like, the Karens and the Chads. And then they are, I mean, this has been in the news several times where it's like, then they are on their deathbed and they basically turn to the nurse and they're like, I thought this was a hoax and I was wrong. Like, there have been several 
instances of that um, where like yes the inequality is definitely showing and there the fact that like some of course of course there's like a lot a lot of people who don't have the choice but I think even among people who like who have choices have all the choice yeah have all the safety nets in place to allow them to stay separate from society as much as possible like people still aren't and like that is now affecting them like them as well as others so that's and i, mean, I don't know it's just like, it's like well that's that sort of plays into the american politics where you've got you know a the republican voter like the trump voter um bubble where it's like they just listen to whatever the right right wing media tells them to and you know yeah it's a hoax and they join their facebook groups where they basically tell each other you know how smart they are and yes leftists do this too but you know it's kind of a right a super right wing problem just because it's like it just it's self reinforcing and self destructive when it finally causes an actual problem for you and uh, this reminds me like um, a while ago I was actually talking with a friend and they mentioned that they were on this red subreddit which is basically um, about people who've been who've lost you know family and friends to like the right-wing conspiracy machine to QAnon to like Fox News because they can't mm. talk to their relatives anymore and whatnot I mean yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, like, I have this aunt who is a Fox News Republican, and it's like, I can't even huh. think about Is this the this. aunt that I'm thinking of? It is exactly that aunt you're thinking of. <laughs> Nadia knows that yeah, aunt. Yeah, I know too. that aunt. <laughs> oh, you ha- do you have that aunt, or has Olya told no, you no, about No, no, I, I know, I don't have, um, I don't have an equivalent, but I, you, you've we've ta- talked about you've this You've talked aunt. about her. Yeah, I know her With name. With both of us. Yeah. 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 We sometimes um, say her name as like, uh, "Oh, Aunt, you know what?" <laughs> anyway. oh, I'm so glad her infamy lives lives <laughs> among my friends now. Yes. Um. Yeah, that's. Um. That like, sucks. Even, like, yeah. What does she What does she think of COVID? I. Well, we're not Facebook friends or anything for a lot of reasons. Um. Mm. But. Like, even now, even though it's pretty bad in Houston and kind of bad in the suburbs where I'm staying, it's like she's already sending, like, she did lay off the family invitations for a while, but she's already sending them out, like, now. Like, hey, let's get together for lunch. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. mom, please don't go. It's like this, I I love you, I know you love your sister, but, you know, please don't. Yeah, I've been also struggling with, like, um, certain relatives, like, they don't want to admit how old they are, you know? Like, when they think, like, this is a risk for old people, they don't include themselves in that category because they don't want to go there mentally. And I'm like, no, but it's you. You are the person. (laughs) I know. My mom was there for a little bit. She didn't, she's never been like, this is a hoax, but she's been kind of, like, lenient on herself. Yeah, and these people aren't, like, people I, like, think... They, they, it's not that they don't believe in corona. Yeah. It's that they, they, just, they don't believe that they're 
in the category of elderly at yeah. risk people. Yeah. 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 Oh, like I, I love my mom and she's a very sweet, very kind, very intelligent person. However, she does insist on going, doing all the shopping. And I'm like, Mom, please let me do it. Mm. I can, it's not a big deal for me to do it. Damn I'll it. take precautions. So like, no, I want to go out. I want to do this. And I'm like, you know, I'm in battle. It's like, how far can I take this argument? You know, do I take away your keys? Like, how cruel is that? Yeah. But it's also like... I don't, yeah, I don't know the limit. Yeah, like, we like, can't control people. Yeah. But, I mean... Like, like, oh, you've interacted a lot with my mom. It's like, at what point would you take away her keys? Like, what do you do with that? I know. How do you do that to your mom? <laughs> yeah, I I have seen that from afar with or, my own mom. And it's been hard to, like... I mean, I think now she's getting better. But at first, she was, like, going to the post office a lot. Um, when it was, like, the most dangerous time to be doing stuff like that and then i was like mom do you have a mask and blah blah blah. she was like yeah um i don't i i don't know she was just taking like unnecessary trips out of the house so that she had something to do which like yeah i get it she lives by herself that must be really hard um but like it was also her reluctance to admit her age yeah. And like the Which cat. is hard. I yeah. get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but now but now there's consequences. <laughs> right. I'm thankful my mom is super serious and good about wearing masks. However, um mm-hmm. like the like we had some workers scheduled to come in and fix some things around the house. Mm-hmm. And so this truck pulls up and you know, they're they're working here for a few days. We isolate there's like they they're really good about pulling the plastic sheets up. And keeping everyone so like distance from each other and they're great and then like all of a sudden this neighbor lady walks up to our front door like rings the doorbell and with no mask on my mom answers the door with no mask on and they talk about the workers and what they're doing and if she could recommend them and i'm like mom you're having it's like you're three feet you're like having a like a pre-covid normal conversation with this woman that you hardly speak to you don't know anything about and yeah she's the neighbor but like that could have been a phone call that could have been a phone call you could have you could have put on a mask first it's like also who the fuck is this karen like coming up to our front front door like that yeah and that um my dad is thankfully actually taking this seriously um but his wife um my stepmom is trying to but her office is basically not socially distanced even at this point even in houston she is i believe close to 70 she won't admit like either way but if she's close to my father's age close to her definitely 70 plus which she she is yeah and she's not working in a socially distanced office she's working basically at a call center who refused to do work from home and they've had COVID cases come up in their office. And I'm like, please, could you retire? And she's like, no, I need to. And she likes her workplace and she likes her coworkers, but her workplace is fucking insane. That's yeah, also that's like a call awful. center sounds like something you could figure out how to make that remote. Yeah. Especially, you know, 
six months after yeah you know america finally got real about this like why put a bunch of humans in one room to talk on the phone that's so unnecessary like, by the way, just a personal footnote, I put the start of this whole coronavirus, like, being taken seriously in America, the moment, like, Cardi B was like, shit's getting real. <laughs> yeah, I remember one episode we recorded back in, I want to say, like, late February or something, where I remember saying, like, oh, this COVID, or maybe it was earlier, maybe it was January, I don't know, but I, I remember being a little bit of a Karen about it. And I want to apologize. What episode was that? Um, it was when we talked to... I'll have to find it. Okay. Anyway. My, my like, the weirdest, I think, flashback one was yeah. when um, Adam and I recorded with Dima. And at the time, mm-hmm. like, there was just, like, hints of corona. But, like, international travel was such was still a thing. And it was like, oh, guys, in a month, we're all going to hang out together in New York. It's going to be so much fun. Can't wait. Ended the episode on that. By the time it was published, like, it was later. like a note. It was like, note, there will be no um, international... She's not doing her residency because of corona. And then, like, little did we know, like, all the other shit. It was yeah. so quick, too. Yeah. It was like, two- I think we published that two weeks after yeah. or something, or even sooner. Um, two weeks after Cardi declared the emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, it was around that same time when I said on some episode something about, like, oh, this is just... I mean, okay, this was valid. The fact that people were using it as a reason to be racist toward Asian Americans. Like, that was... Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they were. They were. Yeah. That's true. So that uh, that point, regardless I, of regardless, yeah. um, but then I also was saying like this was just like a panic, unneeded panic, and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, no, we just needed like panic in ways that aren't racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, so I actually remember like remember when uh, I left your place back, and I think it was January. Like or late December, like late December, and yeah. I had to basically, I was basically in the airport, and I like still had like stitches that were healing, and people and people were like warning people to be careful at the airports, you know, because of this mysterious virus that is going around, and I'm like here I am, you know, having started the whole medical journey journey back in like mid November, and. Here I am, basically partially healed and not in the best shape in a fucking airport. I didn't remember that it was already in discussion at that point. Same. Yeah. You said January and I was like, oh, no one knew anything then. It was like late December. But no, I'm just, I I think my concept of time is just really fucked up. Same. Yeah, like, to be honest, like, March just feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. And this whole, like, everything in between sort of been a blur. Totally. It's oh, like a blur God. with so much in it, but also yeah. just not clear markers of anything. Like, uh, I don't know if anyone's... I don't know if it's even reasonable to, like, psychologically process what's what's all happened, like, right now, or if this is something that we're going to 
be yeah i've like i've definitely i've talked about this i've been processing things like asynchronously like there was a while where like i couldn't remember like the last time i'd cried about anything and then uh, like once i got there about like just some random um like work dispute like i started like i cried for like a whole day about just like everything because there was just so many things that had happened that like either there was too much going on to like emotionally process it or i was like i need to do things instead of sitting in my feelings or mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know but like th- like it things have been, ha- happen things like have been happening once, and i've been yeah. feeling them and it has not been like lined up synchronously yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i mean when yeah, when you um, when you had that like i remember you say like you talked about things that happened like a uh, long ago yeah. when like there was just no time to even like realize how certain things were fucked up or like how fucked up certain things were and like yeah i and- can only imagine this year when that is gonna come out for people oh, God. like and how I have been much more, like, connected to my emotions as of the last few months. Yeah, same here. Like, um, in a way that's, um, in a very non-artistic way. And I say this because, like, I've I've been and have also kind of gotten, like, prodded along and encouraged for this. Like, very much, like, channel your feelings into art as a coping mechanism, which is something but also like there's something about very non-artistic emotional reactions like the obvious ones like you're sad and you cry and you yell at people and, and you, just, you feel like, things in the most like, like immediate like four-year-old literal. way yeah, yeah. um yeah. which i there, like there's something wrong if you're totally cut off from that like there was i was totally cut off from that and i think that i was just not totally in my body Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that this whole thing sort of reduces your social circles pretty drastically. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few people that you do have, like, you know, in-person contacts with. It's like, you know, you're basically carrying all those burdens until you, you know, share, like, vent and talk about them. But you may not have access to the person you're used to, you know, sharing those things with. And it's like, you know, well, oh crap, well, there's also. Well, and it's also, like, I can speak for, like, me living with you, Nadia. Like, when you're in one space with, like, one person or some people are with, like, a small family, you also, you know that you can't, like, unleash everything onto this one person or these few people because that's also not healthy. Because, like, you have to allow for each other to have, you need a balance of, like, being able to vent but also, like, giving the person space and like it's a lot more it, it's just so high everything's so heightened yeah it's like it's it's, it's dense like, i feel like sometimes it's just been dense yes and like i think yeah, with so. us both of us specifically like this week we've both been very emotionally fried <laughs> for different reasons um yeah. but like we're we we're both kind of at a point where like i knew i just needed to like sit in a room alone and i'm like like we're just like not in any kind of like negative or judgmental way just like this is reality i'm like we're just both so drained like i can't give emotional support to you you can't give emotional support to me we need to like 
just be alone and then like call other people that we need to talk to about certain things but we're just mm-hmm. like you know and it, it's not it's not that i don't want to and it's not that you don't want yeah. to it's just like um it's yeah, yeah like have- sometimes you you can't like and we're just much more limited in who we're talking to right yeah because if you like just dump everything on the person you're next to and then you're like around each other 24 7 you're still like you're both sitting in those feelings without like having a place to go and like that can't be healthy i have a term for this a social and emotional ecosystem it's our social yeah. emotional ecosystems yeah. have become complete like completely closed off mm-hmm. to like and now it's like you have to be very mindful of your social um emotional ecosystem so like if i'm having a bad day at work it's like do i want to share these feelings with the people at my dinner table right now will it make their day worse is it going to sound petty to somebody else who's having you know this huge you know having their life fall apart and you're there to emotional support system it's like shit you have to consider the pros and cons of share- being like sharing because not every because you know you people can't go out and lean on other friends who are having a better time because it's like you're closed off you know yeah but I mean, I Zoom call people a lot, and that's been helpful. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's also not entirely the same as being next to someone. Um, yeah, and not everyone is good at moving their entire social life online like some of us have. So Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm decent at it, but, yeah. I, it goes in, it's up and down. But I've, I have fallen, like, there have been moments where I've, I've just needed to, like, fall off the map. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's up and down. And when you fall off the map in this time where time has no feeling of feeling or meaning anymore, it's like, yeah, I just fell off the map for like a week. And everyone's like, you fell off the map or you feel like it was a week and it's like six months later. Oh, hey, Alia. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Some, like, some, have- some days I just feel like I've been depleted of like all the resources I have to give and so it's just hard to like like you know at work or wh- whatever um specifically at work actually um and so it's hard some days to feel like I can I can even give any of myself to someone like online um you don't have it's, like comes uh, this in is waves. a term I've heard this is a term I've sort of heard from my neurodivergent friends uh i don't have the spoons for this like you don't have the social emotional which i have sort of termed in my head as social emotional capacity to deal with shit it's like it's not quite fucks but it's also like sorry i i love you but i don't have the spoons to deal with you right now yeah and like it's definitely not that i don't care about the people in my life i i think we are all probably experiencing this in our own ways of like yeah and there's also sometimes like, like i can't be helpful like yeah. i think i would I, like sometimes like in the state i'm in i would be more hurtful than yeah helpful and i think the best thing i could do for everyone is to like talk to no one and that's something we've we were kind of planning on talking about in this episode so we got to it self-care um and how self-care is Sorry, there's an echo, but I'll... Okay, I'll 
edit it out. It's fine. Um, just that, like, self-care isn't just for you. And how, like, if you don't do it at all, it really fucks up other people's lives. Right. Like, there's some other people that I am around, for instance, in workplace settings where I'm like, I really want that person to take a vacation. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, like, I, I, I like... Sometimes it's hard for me to take that concept entirely seriously because of all the ridiculous ways it's been taken into, like, luxury bath soaps being sold as self-care and um, this, like, very... Again, going back to individualism, like, self-care instead of health care, given telling people to practice self-care instead of um, dealing... Like, employers telling employees to practice self-care instead of dealing with, like... The real financial difficulties that are causing their mental health to suck um but 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 like at the core there's something like very true about like put on your own air mask before you help others otherwise you won't be very good at it um and yeah i i, I i've definitely gotten there in the last month of like i want to be i want to be helpful to certain causes and to certain communities and also i i can't do that well until i just take some mental health days yeah uh, i've taken so many mental health days at work and yeah i get it with like employers like doing this whole self-care versus healthcare thing like um yeah. Like, my job has been sending us, you know, these emails about online yoga classes. And I'm like, I'm working during those hours when you have the live classes. Thank you, though. <laughs> um, right. And sometimes, like, I, especially, like, in work emails, it can come off as, like, so condescending. Like, no, I, uh, I, you, you don't want to address how you contribute to why <laughs> I'm, I'm turning into this person. Um, yeah. But again, apart from the, apart from that, apart from the ridiculousness surrounding it, there's 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 something true at the core of that concept. I mean, we've made a whole before self the self care industry existed. We had you know the whole heal you know heal yourself using food, which was a huge thing in the eighties and nineties, where people are like, yeah, eat these if you have a good diet. It wasn't about weight loss. It was like, eat tons of garlic and you won't get cancer sort of things. As opposed to, you know, get regular screenings and checkups and see your doctor. Because people could afford the self-care book used at their half price books or whatever, but they can't afford the doctor's visit or they can't afford the time off to do it or, or, or. Sorry for this, a very American-centric broken system episode we have, folks. Yeah. Yeah, but it is a broken. It's 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 not the only broken system, but it is one of the broken systems. Uh, you know, I had this whole break in my life where, like, before surgery, I was like going to the gym regularly, trying to do at least once, if not twice or three times a week, um, not eating sugar, and then I, you know, sort of took a break from that after surgery because it's like, hey, I'm recovering. You take it easy. You need to not stress, and it's like, okay, I'm back, falling into my favorite habits sugar and candy and now i'm finally getting better about that again but it's like now i don't have my regular classes which set up this structure which let me have and schedule around that sort of time whereas now everything is like sort of well let's just do it now or let's just do it like after work or let's just do it's 
Oh, it's God, candy is so great. <laughs> okay, so candy I made a comment the, the other day that I think is relevant. Um, I was like, sometimes self care is pizza, and sometimes self care is vegetables. And today, I feel like it's vegetables for me. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's that's true. Like, I I really feel that. Like, oh, absolutely. Like yeah. there, I was in. I was like, my body felt like such shit from the week I had had, where all I just wanted was like to eat broccoli (laughs) you know um but there's also moments where it's like no what i need right now is just like a big hunk of grease (laughs) and like it it just doesn't all like what you need and what someone else needs they're not always the same and yeah it's all true yeah yeah Um, and unfortunately i haven't been able to go to agb and get my favorite cheeses Aw, H-E-B. Yeah, um, for those outside of the Houston area, it's this very nice grocery store where they have this huge fucking cheese counter, which is just kind of ridiculous. And one of my favorite things to do in shopping was basically gawk over it and like, ooh, I'll have some of this and some of that. And they would give you samples sometimes. And it was kind of, it was very indulgent and stupid, but I loved it. And I kind of have a reputation among my friends for loving, particularly loving and sharing cheese. God, it's been an entire year since all of us went to that cheese place in Philly and did that and like sampled cheese. Oh my God, that was the best. That was the first time I think I really understood the differences in cheese tastes. Yeah, I've I've never interacted with cheese in that, at that level of like, yes. I, I think I understand conceptually that cheese is an art, but I don't think I've ever, um, like, perceptually <laughs> tasted cheese being an art until that moment. This was... Now you know, it's like, now you know why I make such a big deal about cheese. Yeah. Yeah. But, we but all that, needed that, that experience, like, I guess. Um, but that place was, was a year, a fucking year ago. Um. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh... Wasn't that like was that at the end of Yellow Punk? Yes. Yep. That was yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're in the Yellow Punk uh, Facebook group, we actually set up a Discord just sort of to have like an ongoing Yellow Punk discussion, and we'll we can I'll see. A, um, let me double check with Rana if it's okay to post a link to it with our episode, but you know it's mostly if just not, a casual. DM hangout. us. Yeah, you can DM yeah. us if you're interested. I think maybe that might be a good. Middle yeah. Just. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just hit up one of our socials and we will like send you the link. Yeah, we'll check to make sure that's okay. I mean, but, yeah, yeah, like, but uh, I'm hanging out there all the time. The ball is hanging out there. Uh, a few other people that, and we're trying to basically we're trying to set up um, movie nights and whatnot as well. You know, cool. Not all of them are going to be like cool arts art house. You know, produced by Middle Eastern students who's immigrated to some place in the. You know, that whole narrative. It's not always be like art house oppression flicks. We're trying, it's like. <laughs> that was funny do... how you put that. <laughs> Remember the movie about cows we watched? What was it called? Oh, yeah, that was good. Um, it has a number. I was just thinking about things that are not art house films that would be good to watch. Yeah. The um, Six? No. What was that stupid movie on Netflix that was about that fucking psychic tire? Rubber, I think it was called. What? A psychic tire? 
Yes. So the whole point of this movie was this psychic tire which is rolling down the road and like causing explosions and killing people. The fuck? And it was this French film. And it was weird as fuck. But it was also like it was just aggressively stupid in the best way. Okay. Okay. I could I could watch that. Yeah, me too. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Okay. So going back to the cow film, for everyone listening, it's a number like it has a number in it and that represents the number of cows that were being looked for and i can't remember the number the six the nine i don't know do you want to just google it no just google it no, no we're just gonna debate numbers no. i <laughs> refuse to google it at this i point. think um the, the nice thing about math is that it's always up for debate yeah <laughs> that's what math is i think miriam just died I think Miriam just died a little inside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry, Miriam. God, these headphones Sorry, suck. Sorry, Miriam. I just want to say that again. Um, yeah, I, at this point, since we've talked so much in, cir- like, in circles about this, I refuse to Google it at this moment <laughs> because that's too easy. Yeah. You're, you're, com- you're committed to this failure? Yes. Once you commit to a failure, you, you stick with the failure. Um, so anything else that you want to mention about your life in the past 10 months, nine months? You'd think there'd be more to it. Um, uh, I guess it could be like, okay, um, I'm all healed up. I have feeling everywhere now in the surgery stuff. The scars are super faded and I'm super happy with the result. Can we talk Um, about how good that timing was that you got surgery? Oh, like, what if it was a little bit off? Like, yeah, like yeah. a few months later or something? Um, God. Uh, well, okay, so, like, I've had several friends who had surgery during this period. Um, one of them, actually, I think she just um, got out of surgery, like, less than two weeks ago. And she was super afraid it was going to be delayed. But no, everything was, went all right. But oh, good. Good. there was always this up-in-the-air concern, because for a while, a lot of quote, uh, like, elective procedures, including transgender surgery, were being put off in hospitals because they didn't have the segregation needed to keep the COVID patients away from everyone else. So they had to separate the ventilation system. They had to make sure they didn't even know what they were really dealing with in the beginning. So there was this period where, like, everything surgical that wasn't COVID, like, from, like, March to, like, I want to say June or July was just getting canceled left and right. Damn. So had I had I waited much longer, I, it might not have happened, or it might have been delayed till now. Yeah. yeah. And we might have been doing the surgery episode today. Wow. And, like, besides that, That's... like, obviously more, like, like first concern stuff, like, would it have happened? I'm also thinking, like, if, if you were stuck in recovery and couldn't really have people visit you. Um, yeah, like, yeah. maybe Plus... your mom wouldn't have been able to be there like probably not yeah i mean or that or she'd have to like have somebody she would have to commit to hanging out with me much longer because i couldn't really take a plane for the first six weeks right like, right afterwards right. so yeah and it's still it's still the though it's still causing issues even now like i was supposed to have um a post-surgical follow-up um like back in june yeah. Like, which was supposed to be my final post-surgical follow-up. Still haven't had it. And I've been talking on and off with my with my doctor, with my surgeon's office. And it's basically like, don't travel 
it's like, are you having, they were like, I would like to look at you and make sure everything looks right. However, because you, everything looked great back in January or February when I actually went, um, mm-hmm. they, uh, they were like, it's fine. We can put this off. And I then got checked out by my local doctor who was like very happy and basically sent notes, I think sent notes to my surgeon's office. And I'm now finally, after all this time, getting a second physical visit with um, my general practitioner who is going to like lay me up at a table and take a look at everything. And it's just like, well, this is kind of screwed up the timeline for that. But thankfully, um, everything went almost as ideally as it could. So it's not a huge deal, but I really feel for somebody who's like more in the uncertain period and like the first six weeks after that. They have to sort of negotiate healthcare systems where it may not be safe for them. Or doctors that they've relied on in the past who may have been like very in-demand doctors. Like my doctor is like, she's great. She deals with trans patients all the time. And she's not a trans specialist. But because Mm -hmm. she's one of the few doctors in Houston who is really good with trans people, you know, good luck getting an appointment with her without, like, at least two months, um, notice, you know? Damn. Yeah. And that's, a, that, and that's assuming... Yeah, how do you, you make any in, plans uh, right now two months down the road? Um, yeah, like, even the checkup, like, the checkup that I scheduled, like, I think it was two or three weeks ago, like, in two weeks, I'm going to go into the blood test, and two weeks after that, I'm actually going to go get the checkup. That is how ridiculously packed her schedule is. Damn. And for, and that's like the reality for tra- a lot of trans folks anywhere, I imagine. And that's assuming that, you know, you're not like middle of nowhere America where you have like shitty doctors everywhere, but the one big city like 200 miles away. Also, um, America, you, mm-hmm. we have states where like certain services are just not offered. So you literally have to leave a state that in any other part of the world would be like leaving the country just because because America is so stupidly fucking big it is yeah if y'all hear the cat that's because there is a cat yeah there's a cat and she thinks America is too big yeah yeah wait is this a cat I don't know or is this no it's a no, cat it's you a, know it's the cat that the, the, the cow cat the little mini our cow our beautiful cow cat yes Oh, I miss her. Aww. I don't mean I don't miss being woken up at four in the morning by her, but I miss her. Yeah, she still does that <laughs> without fail. So, yeah, I hope that you can come back more regularly on episodes if you have like this privacy set up. I'm really happy this worked. Uh, yeah, actually, but um, it's going to have to be basically like. Um, six p- six p.m. onward is when I'll be able to do it. Cool, okay. consistently. Yeah, I so, mean, it's good to have um, you back, though. Like, I think I'm sure listeners are glad to yeah. hear from you. She's still alive, guys. Yeah, we <laughs> had to do a post a while ago, just being like, I don't know if you remember it when we were like, Ellie's still around, <laughs> FYI, <laughs> and still a part of the podcast. Rumors of my death slash expulsion from the collective have been great. <laughs> exaggerated i wonder if there were any i'm like i'm sure no one was like thinking that hard about it but i wonder if there <laughs> Actually, any this podcast being theory, like, like enough of a thing to have like 
malicious fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, about what probably <laughs> happened. That would that's what we know we would we'd made yeah. it. Like if there's a fanfic out there. Malicious one. Um, or just any, like even like you know, Z tier um personalities like us who would basically have like a tiny ass following and no real media presence in the mainstream media it's like you know streamers now have fanfics being written about them i no, can't imagine you like, say podcast, z- you tiny- say z tier i i think i we've say graduated to a y okay you can tell <laughs> you know, confirm folks we are now w tier we are almost almost we moved up a couple obscure. letters <laughs> We are almost considered obscure from completely unknown. Yeah. Yay. Actually, I've been killing it on Spotify. Yeah. Thank. Yeah. Thank you to the shout out to the guy from Spotify who was like, "Hey, get on." Yeah. We needed. Yeah, because we had no idea why our podcast wasn't compatible with it until they pointed it out, and I was like, "Fuck, is it really that?" Yeah, it was a very easy fix, but. Something I could have never pinpointed, and I'm really glad you did. And and without the person's feedback, I would have never known what to even begin to look at. It was basically three blank spaces in my code. That was the entire fucking problem, folks. <laughs> White space. Yeah. It seems symbolic somehow. It does. Um, okay, we'll leave you guys to think all about right, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all very much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Queer Arabs and email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com and you know the rest. Well, actually, you, you might not. In case you don't, go to thequeerarabs.com for our website. Thanks, And all. it has links to our, our social media, Queer Arabs um, at Twitter, yes. Instagram, Spotify now. There's also a link oh, yes. on our website to our Ko-Fi account um, if you would like to contribute to uh, the podcast. It really helps with like um, our website costs, maintenance costs, and just like the equipment. Mm-hmm.